Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Today we're going to have a little fun and talk about Netflix's Love is Blind. I know I typically bring on psychologists and authors and therapists, but this show came across my radar and oh my goodness, so much great stuff to delve into, to analyze, to unpack, and so on brand for this podcast because it's all about relationships and love and attraction and chemistry. And the crazy thing is, as the title of the series suggests, they do not see each other while they're falling in love. So if you haven't watched it, you may want to press pause, go binge watch, and then join us because I don't want to spoil anything for you. But let's dig in now. And to help me talk about this, I'm looping in Dan as I have many times in the past. Dan, to be fair, saw me watching this and said, what's going on with that show? And I said, oh, here's the premise. These people are in these pods and they can't see each other, but they are in fact dating and they just go in and talk to each other for an hour here, an hour there and talking to all a bunch of different people at the same time. And then some of these connections are being formed. And he was like, yeah, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of and walked away. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. But then I came back to, I think, get something to drink out of the fridge. And, and I, I just sat down on the couch for a second and I saw like the raw emotion that was coming from these people, just having this, these conversations and trying to picture the other person. And they're not allowed to have their phones, no social media at all, um, no devices. And so the only thing they have to do is talk and find out about each other. And, um, and it was super intriguing. And I, I will have to say that the the part when they do actually meet, when they when you have couples that do fall in love, that is absolute must-see TV. That, it, it is. That's, that's pretty, really in, intriguing, super powerful. Well, and I'll say also, I when I first heard about it, it was through a friend on Instagram. And she said, you, you must, absolutely must watch this. And I thought, okay, Lise thinks this is really worth my time. I'm going to start watching it. But when I saw the premise, initially I thought, okay, there's no way. Two things really stuck out to me right away. One, I know that you can form a really beautiful bond with someone without seeing them. I get that. But I also know that men are sight stimulated and not I'm not saying that women aren't. I mean, women want to be physically attracted to their partner. So my first thought was these people may form this really intense bond. And then when they meet, it's going to be, oh, I mean, we all know that person who she was so into this guy and he really liked her as a friend, but just never felt that physical attraction. And I was afraid for some of these people that that might happen. Although to be fair, the producers did, select a pretty attractive group of people. Yes. 
It was a fairly they were they were all pretty well matched. There wasn't there weren't there weren't a lot of outliers. Yeah, and and I think that was very kind and loving because you wouldn't want someone to have fallen madly in love because of that truly profound connection and then just be so disappointed because the physicality just wasn't there. That would that would be really not fun to watch as a TV program. No, and another spoiler alert. They were it ended up being surprisingly good matches from a physical standpoint. Yeah, it's really that was somewhat remarkable. And you witness, I mean, again, it's very well edited. I mean, I get it that we're watching this reality show. The producers are editing in this really fantastic way. But they do show you enough of those conversations that you 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 buy into it. So like I said, I was definitely a skeptic. I initially thought there's no way. Also, another point that I was concerned about is scent. Your regular body odor that, and I'm not talking about the body odor that we wear deodorant to cover up, but just we have a scent. And psychologists have found that we, that does factor into our attraction for someone. There's a really fascinating study I came across several years ago that shows what the, what the researchers did. They had guys wear t-shirts and they would wear them for 48 hours without taking them off. So they would sleep in them. And so they would definitely get their natural body scent. And then they put them in front of women, a, a group of women, and women would, women would sniff them and they would prefer some scent to, to another scent. And again, this is not the yucky scent. This is just your regular scent as a human. We have it. And what they found is so fascinating. When they analyzed these people's biology, they found that the women preferred the scent of a man who, if they were to have a child, that child would have the strongest immune system. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. Right? So there's a lot that's going on that we're not aware of with attraction, which is a whole body of literature in psychology, which is fascinating. But that was the other thing that came to mind. I thought, okay, they're not going to have that that exchange of scent, sure. of each other's scent. And so part of me thought, this isn't going to work. But then, like I said, they do show you enough of their conversations that you I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was like tearing up sometimes. They were getting into some really deep stuff. And one of the gentlemen's, his mother had just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And and you can see his his girlfriend, that he, the one that he's kind of, they're picking each other now. They're, they've kind of decided that they like each other best. And she's tearing up because family's so important to her. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think this actually could work. Well, and to be clear, the rules are, so there's 10 guys, 10 girls, and then whoever you form this strong bond with, you have to form a strong enough bond where w- one of you, and it typically obviously is going to be the guy, ask ask you to marry him. So so they get engaged. Then then there's a another level where they spend some time together, and then then they're supposed to be married four weeks after they get engaged. Right, which is nuts. And So then the other piece that keeps coming to mind is how much of this, because they call it an experiment, how much of this experiment did each of these participants know about? Because I'm assuming they would have to know pretty much the parameters of the situation. And in psychology research, we talk about a self-selected sample. So this is a unique group of individuals who would know that you're going to talk to someone, you will not lay eyes on them, then they will propose, then in four weeks, you will be married. That's a unique crowd. <laughs> well, and speaking of testing, you know, usually in testing, whether it be medical or psychological testing, you don't let the 
people that are the participants know what you'd like the outcome to be. And, and in this case, the outcome is obvious. You know, they know that they're supposed to fall in love. So you do wonder how many people in this experiment are forcing it a little bit. Right. Because they know that that's the expectation. This is what's supposed right. to happen. And again, they're self-selected. So these are folks who are saying, yeah, if I felt a connection with someone, I'd marry him in four weeks. And that is not your average person. And in this day and age of reality TV stars becoming insta-famous after being on a show for three weeks, there's also that piece that kept sneaking into the back of my mind. Like how many of these people were like, whatever, I'll go through it. And maybe I'll even get married to someone because I'm going to blow up on Insta. I'm going to have 2 million followers and then I'll have people send me free crap. (laughs) I mean, so there's a lot to kind of put, put into this puzzle here. There is. And I think one of the more interesting parts of the show is when they do have to go back to the real world and suddenly they're interacting with their friends and trying to explain to their friends and family how they form this connection and why it's a strong bond and why they're so confident that, 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 that this marriage will work. And everybody's kind of looking at them like they're crazy. And, and so how, how strong is their conviction going to be when people that they love and respect are not, uh, are not feeling it or not, uh, are not believing or understanding at least, you know, what, what they've gone through and what, where they're at. Yeah. And you can't blame them. No. <laughs> I would say the same thing. Well, especially just picture being a parent, right? And your young daughter comes home and says, you know, I met this guy two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I've actually only seen him and been around him for about four or five days. And, uh, but we're going to get married. How, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? I do not feel good about that. <laughs> Dan invented it because I kept burning my tongue on my black coffee. And then we realized the perfecter could do so much more. It's the only way to brew coffee or tea and then immediately ice it for iced coffee or iced tea without watering down the flavor. It also brings bourbon to a perfect chill, again, without diluting it or bruising the flavor notes. But my favorite application, wine. The Perfector takes your room temperature red to the recommended low 60s in just 20 seconds. And as a bonus, the Perfector aerates your vintage as well. Check out all the Perfector's applications, including bringing white wine to its most flavorful temperature at drinkperfection.com. Love and Life listeners can use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 20% off your Perfector. So let's break down the couples that actually do get engaged. And let's start with Lauren and Cameron, because it was so perfect that they started with them. They really focused on them in the first couple episodes, and they are darling and really, like I said earlier, they their connection and the conversations that they had that they allowed the viewer to watch were really pretty deep, pretty tender, very touching, and really got the viewer to buy into this entire experiment. I would have to say that they're probably, if not the strongest, one of the strongest couples that, that came out. And there were six that came out engaged. Agreed. 
you definitely felt a lot of confidence in their connection. You believed in them and their ability to go the distance. Now, who wasn't strong would be our good friends, Mark and Jessica. Yes. um, Mark being this stand-up guy who you are just rooting for the whole time because you can tell he's just open and honest and, and enthusiastic and just giving his heart. And Jessica, unfortunately, is very indecisive, which is okay, but she kind of played him and, um, and he let her play him a little too much. So, so that was disappointing. And with those two, it's interracial and there's a 10 year age gap, which seems to really, really bother Jessica. So, um, those are the most, uh, I'll just say there's the most drama with that couple and, and drama continues throughout the show. Well, and the problem is, and again, my heart goes out to Mark. He is a stand-up guy, and you're definitely rooting for him as well. And one of the things that I think he's very sincere and maybe just a bit naive because what happens is when she clearly exits their connection to go with Barnett, and then... Barnett rejects her for Amber, and then she comes back to Mark, tail between her legs, and he takes her right back. And he he says this quote, and I, I remembered it because it's something my grandmother had this poem on her on her bedroom wall. And I remember it struck me because as a little girl, I was like, mm, I don't know about that. But it says, if you love someone, set them free, and if they return to you, then they were always yours or something along those lines. And I remember being, even as a little girl, like, I don't want to <laughs> let someone free if I love them. And I get the point of it. So Mark sees this whole Jessica exit and then return as a, an evidence of that poem. So because she returned to him, she was really his all along. And he didn't put her through anything, really. He, no. He, he, no. They spoke about it for a few minutes. At least that's what the the editors of the show <laughs> have you believe and then they were right back and he was on one knee and 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 proposing to her so so that was that was a little disappointing because i think um at least at that point in the show you you thought that he probably deserved better yeah you're you're feeling for him because you know he's got it for her but you're you're concerned for his heart because it looks like she may not be Hmm, for lack of a better word, emotionally stable enough for him. And she creates a lot of problems where there don't need to be problems. Well, she's in her head a ton. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of us get in our head at some point, but she was in her head the entire show from what I saw. And we can contrast those two with Kenny and Kelly, who it just seems to be, at least in the first part of the series, smooth sailing. They just, they formed a bond and they dug each other and it just seems to work very seamlessly, which is refreshing. And they're both just seem very lack of drama, just level-headed. And it's it's fun to watch them because you think, dang, yeah, you guys definitely should have connected at some point. It's great that these pods brought you together. Right. They seemed kind of, they seemed kind, kind of centered, mature, and seemed to want the same thing. Yeah, they were kind of fun. They were our uh, break from the other dramatic scenarios because (laughs) 
Barnett does end up picking Amber, as I said, and she and he seem to be a great fit because they both have this level of crazy in a good way, in a fun, loving way. I don't mean this. I don't mean any of this to be negative. Honestly, we're analyzing this just because it was so fascinating. And also because I hope that as we look at others relationships, we can understand our own better and we can make great choices. So none of this is coming from a place of trying to be critical, but these two were like, they're kind of like wild child. (laughs) They are. And they have great chemistry. You can tell that, that their pheromones match up <laughs> because they even are, though they couldn't smell them. <laughs> yeah, they are they are all over each other. And to add on what you said about being positive about the show, it is really well edited. Yeah, they do a really good job. It's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast, and I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page, and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. She walks her talk, and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May, tim at loveandlifemedia.com. So then we've got some opposites who are attracting. We've got Gigi and... Damien. Damien. And they initially, it took me a bit to warm up to them because I just didn't see the connection and I didn't... I wasn't sure I was buying it. Well, he's a very reserved guy, and she admittedly is very crazy. She says that she's, you know, 100% nice and kind, and then the next moment she could be 100% crazy. So, so it didn't particularly seem like a match made in heaven. Yeah, I wasn't sure at first. But I will say the point in which they finally see each other and meet, I think that's one of the more powerful moments of the show. Because they, they're pretty intriguing and they're so different that they really enjoyed seeing each other. And I think we're, we're kind of surprised at the way each other looked. Yeah. And that brings us to Diamond and Carlton. And really with these two, things seem to be moving along pretty nicely. But Carlton reveals to the viewer something that he has not revealed to Diamond. And that, of course, becomes a big concern throughout the beginning of their connection, which is he says to us, he has had relationships with men in the past. And he's concerned that if Diamond knows that, that would change how she feels about him. And so he does not disclose that information. He does propose. She does accept. 
And then we don't deal with that information until they get to the next phase of the series where they're in, I think it's Cancun, right? Yes. So that's something that the viewer knows, Diamond doesn't know. And so there's this tension there where we're going, how is she going to receive that? That obviously could be something that could be an issue. But it's funny because as we were watching that, we weren't really sure what that was about. Actually, you and I both had this feeling of, hey, Carlton, if that's your past, that's your past. Does it have to be relevant to what you and Diamond share? Right. If he's being honest and he says that that's in the past and he he's no longer interested in men, then why did he have to bring it up? That's what I thought. And I know some people might push back against that because I know there are folks who say, if you're with the love of your life and you're going to get married and you're going to go the distance with this person, you it should be all out on the table. And I actually don't think I need to know. And so now you're listening to a husband and wife having this conversation. And we have talked about our, our past to a degree, but it's not that we go into blow by blow, play by play about past relationships, because frankly, I don't personally want to think about things that would make me feel that Dan's connection to me and his love for me is less. And those things don't matter unless you and I decide that they matter, unless we make them a thing, they're not a thing. So getting back to Carlton, my concern was, hey, you know, really, this doesn't have to matter if you are all in with Diamond and those liaisons with gentlemen in the past were a thing of the past, then really I think the most loving thing to do is to leave it in the past and not mess her head up with all this information and these images of him in this former life. And I know people will push back on that, but that's that's where I stand. Yeah, I agree. Well, and one thing, because we were watching it with my brother and my niece and we started talking about it and there was some talk about maybe, and I hadn't thought about this right away, but maybe Carlton was really trying to give that information to Diamond because maybe he wasn't fully finished with his past and he was trying to set a tone of, hey, and maybe we'll have some fluidity in our relationship. And it's hard to say. And of course, as you can imagine, it did not end well. And when Diamond finally had a day to process it and was asking him some very fair questions, he got very defensive and it was over um, in a matter of minutes. That was one of the more painful parts of the of the series to watch. That's when the therapist in me wants to come in and I really wanted to sit down with both of them and help them manage all that pain because he's hurt and he's He's assuming she's going to reject him even before he'd given her the chance. Because once, yeah, like you said, when she had that time to process and she was coming with some legitimate questions and trying to really say, let's talk this out. He was already in defense mode. It was just, he couldn't even hear that she was actually trying to work with him. He was right away, you're rejecting me. You're rejecting me. F you, F you, F you. It it got ugly. (laughs) Yeah, it did. It wasn't pretty. No, it was painful. So it is an experiment, and that's an appropriate term for it. And the hosts are Nick and Vanessa Lachey, and they keep reiterating throughout the series that you met blind, essentially. You fell in love 
without seeing each other. Then you proposed. Then you laid eyes on each other, remained engaged. And then the whole point is you're going to be at the altar. Will you say I do? Or will you say I don't? Um, which, yeah, I did, but it wasn't at the <laughs> altar. It was two months before, at least. But yeah, so they're really positioning this as an experiment, which makes sense. And like we talked about today in this episode, it's a unique individual who would sign on to this experiment. And yet, I'm a psychologist. Dan is a happily married man. And here we were watching this intrigued and looking at what we all can learn from this experiment. And so why don't we tell everybody in the next episode how many of the five couples who have, by the way, picked out their wedding dresses and picked out their tuxes, how many will actually get married? Yeah. And send us any questions or comments that you have because... There are so many responses and reactions to this. It's really striking a chord with a lot of people. It's something that we all can relate to some element of these relationships. So let us know if there's anything you want us to specifically touch on or cover when we do a part two of this episode. The love and life hack for this week is... Love is blind, but is love enough? Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Thanks so much for joining us this week. And a special thank you, as always, to all of my Love and Life subscribers. And for those of you who've rated and reviewed the podcast, it makes such a difference and helps others find the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.